Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, today was the first day that the northern winds started, and it wasn't, you know, hot as fuck, <laughs> basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To put it poetically, it, I believe that's a Shakespeare quote. Is summer over? I don't... It, uh... I don't I want it to be, but I wouldn't mind it if it was like this for the rest the of the world is on fire. How about yours? <laughs> don't make me sing this Smash Mouth song. <laughs> Hi, welcome everyone to the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre. And we take two weeks, watch as many movies as we can, do a ton of research, and impart it all back to you. And then tell you what we like and what we don't like. That's right. We mix up those reviews. And we have some fun, okay? This beat is sick. Why am I feeling so musical today? What's going you on? You really are. <laughs> I've always been a, a musician first at heart. A musician, dancer, actor. Put that disco stick away. <laughs> no one no one needs to see it. It's Why the we... last time. <gasps> Lady Gaga's in town like this week. Kevin, okay. Is she? Yeah. Why am I out of town? Well, I'm not going to be in town either, so. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't matter. So I know. The, the two most important people in New York City aren't going to be there. Then why is right. Lady Gaga even bother showing up? Right. Cancel. Cancel. Rebook. <laughs> um, okay, Gavin. I feel very excited, Gavin, because this we've had a lot of special guests on. We've had a lot of um, crazy things going on in our lives that are... I feel a return to form, a classique episode. Absolutely. Um, we, we did have to pivot for this episode, like, yeah. halfway through watching... Um, We'll get a, into a, a very like, no, like I said. Pivot. Normally, we do two weeks, and this was a this is a one week wonder, folks. Yeah, yeah, it's a one week wonder. Um, but I'm so happy we did it. Um, and and but I'm also very happy for um, you know, we just put pause on that other episode we were um, um watching for. That episode will come, and I was very very excited watching um for the for that episode. But before we get into today's episode we have some old business um our last episode we have the lovely the talented miss samantha stallard on once again what a true joy what a, a true joy an angelic presence in our lives Wonderful. i know i know it having her on made all the audio quality problems worth it oh absolutely um, <laughs> um but we asked you guys to go online and vote for your um, favorite brendan fraser movie and here are the results Blast from the Past, which was Sam's pick, came in at last place with 10%. Uh, Encino Man, which was my pick, came in at third place with 14%. Gods and Monsters came in at 18%. And The Mummy, just dominating the game at 58%. That was Gavin's pick. She's the popular choice. She is that girl. She is the moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I knew going in that, and like not to be like a, a bragging McBraggerson, but I was like, the mummy's gonna win and that's fine but i was a, i was a little shocked that both of your guys fell behind gods and monsters i did see some people campaigning and i did see some other you know responses there were a couple bedazzleds out there there were a couple george of the jungle george of the jungle yep yep i mean bedazzled is very fun it's very stupid um and george of the jungle also very fun and very stupid hmm. <laughs> it's it's a sweet spot it's a, i mean Hey, um, speaking of which, side thing, can we believe this Batgirl nonsense? Ugh, ridiculous. I, I don't even understand. I mean, I'm not even that much of a capitalist myself, but how can you honestly be like, let's don't just Don't worry, guys, it. we're not into capitalism here. Not capitalism here, commerce, whatever. But, you know, how could you honestly be like, let's not even release a movie. Let's let's not make any, like, any profit should right. be profit, right? I know, I like how they're like, 
we're not going to put out a movie we don't believe in. I was like, LOL, girly, have you seen the last 10 movies you've put out? Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. Um, aren't you the company behind Suicide Squad? Hello? Aren't you the company that got bullied into releasing Zack Snyder's Justice League? Don't come for us. Don't Hello? Come for us. I mean, whatever. Like, I'm not scared of nerds. Like, it's... it's, it's I know, very... you usually put your hand on my head and let me swing away. Like, yeah, in those yeah. cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into bullying lately. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very silly. And I, I'm just sad that we're not going to um, see uh, Brendan as Firefly. That was going to be um, really cool. Um, yeah. Part of his comeback. Um, you know, we still have a couple of things to check out for him coming soon. So... Not all good things, um, but we'll see what maybe, who knows what happens. Speaking of sad, and I don't want to derail this into like a super sad place, but as of this recording yesterday was the passing of Olivia Newton-John. She was the first subject of this year for us yep. after our 2021 in review episode. And, you know, we had those great guests, Damien and Anne from You Might Know Her From, and yeah, that episode is so much fun and such a blast. And I learned so much about her yep. life and mm -hmm. how like really got a new appreciation for Olivia Newton-John. And I'm just so sad, you know, fuck cancer. Seriously, yeah. just fuck cancer. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, Damien and Anne were amazing guests, like truly an honor to have them on. But the, to be able to watch um, Owen Jay's, you know career and all of her movies beyond Greece. I mean, to one, to find a new appreciation for Greece and how good she is in it. Um, but then to go beyond that and to learn like really what an ally she was. She was our people. She yeah. was, you know, like going hard for queer people that it's just, um, yeah. And we talked a little bit about um, her personal life and her battle with cancer and, you know, um, her advocacy work. Um, against cancer and it's yeah i i texted you and i was just like fully shocked i could not believe yeah um, it, it knocked the air out of me and that rarely happens but it's just and i know it sounds so silly because we truly didn't know her you know but we spend really long intense periods of research doing this podcast that i was i felt like like it was a personal information i was yeah. like how could that be you know yeah, so here's to Olivia Newton-John. May she be singing and dancing in Xanadu. Um, and, you know, her legacy lives on, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, but pivoting, hard pivot. <laughs> to, hard pivot. To some reviews. I did, you know, I have been talking about how I want to get us to 100 reviews by the end of 2021. Apple Podcasts is currently registering us at 81, even though somehow we got three more reviews. So Apple Podcasts, check your algorithm, because I think that should put us at 82. But thank you so much for everybody who's written in and left us a review. So we're going to read a bunch of them right now. This first one is called Smart. Thanks to Screen Drafts for introducing me to these cool cats. Love this premise, which is both fun and informative. And that's from Wessels1232. Thanks, Wessels. And yeah. thanks for the guys over at Screen Drafts. That was uh, crazy, but fun. <laughs> Absolutely. This is titled Super In-Depth Coverage of Film. Louie and Gavin are well-prepared and extremely entertaining. I've only started listening recently, but I love their series on Brendan Fraser. Can't wait to go through the archives and find some new favorites. A must-listen. Thank you so much. Who is that from? Uh, uh, that's from Blue, 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 Blue Silo. Blue Silo. Blue Silo. Thank you, girly. And we got another one from Moss138 entitled Hooked from the Start. 
everything I've been looking for in a podcast by people I instantly adored. Oh, the attraction was instantaneous. <laughs> Love at first sight. We believe in it. We believe in you, mm-hmm. Moss. Thank you so much for writing in. Yeah, thank you to everyone writing in. Um, we feel your love. And um, yeah, we, we we do this for us and we do this for each other. And um, we appreciate, um, you know, you guys sometimes, coming along for the ride. Sometimes it's hard to like, be like, oh, yeah, people listen to the show. <laughs> sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, it's not just Louie and I talking to each other every week. So that's, I mean, that's what I really appreciate is I'm like, Holy shit, we have we do have an audience. <laughs> yeah, we're small, but we're mighty. And you know what? We're having fun. And that's all that matters. Absolutely. Um, end of old business. <laughs> end of old business. Okay, Brendan Fraser, thank you so much. We will see you in the movies. Um, if the Warner Brothers lets you. I was going to say the ones that aren't locked in a vault. Um, but Gavin, um, who who is our one week wonder? Who are we talking about today? Now, this might sound bonkers because she is a person of a varied, wide career. She is fun. She is dark. She is occasionally sexy. Mm-hmm. I, I totally think she pulls off sexy. The kooky, the bookie, Miss Joan Cusack. Yes, yes. Snaps for Joan. Um, I loved doing this so much because, you know, we, we talked about like, oh, who could we do and who could we turn around? Um I don't know why Joan came to my brain, but she did. Um, and you said, oh, is it going to be another Tucci episode? And I was like, you know what? Maybe it will be. But <laughs> I think it'll be worth it still because she is just one of those actresses who is able to take the tiniest little roles and be so interesting, so weird, make all the choices. Like she is not resting on anything not waiting for anyone she is going to grab that screen and just be like hello hi it's me and it's amazing as i've famously said before on the show i i don't truly think the oscars matter until they do matter until it's Mm -hmm. it's something unprecedented that happens and, and really breaks a barrier but i think nothing could be more telling for her that she's been nominated twice for the Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actress because she is a true supporting actress. She's somebody who can show up in a movie, just as you were saying, for like 10 minutes. And you leave that movie and you're thinking, well, Joan Cusack, what was she yeah. doing there? That was great. You yeah, know? it's like, God, Joan, she's so good. And we say this a lot, I guess, but really, I really, really think it applies to her where it's like everything she's in. I'm just like, oh. Yes, you know she's going to deliver something so, so good because, you know, she's known to being kind of kooky and weird. But when she's sad and dramatic or angry, it's there's so much pathos there behind her. Like it's 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 great. I I had a lot of fun um, watching. I hadn't seen um, a lot of the movies that she's in, even her little bit things. Um, They're so much fun. She brings it to you every ball. Absolutely. do you remember when you first found Joan? Oh, God. I mean, it, but you know, she's somebody that's been littered in movies my yeah. entire life. That's the thing yeah. is. So I don't know if I could pinpoint one. I mean, you know, and she's been littered throughout this podcast. I mean, literally, she's in yes. a Brennan Fraser movie. She plays his mother in Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah. So like, but maybe 16 Candles in right. her like bit but memorable part as the girl in the back brace. Yeah, iconic, iconic. We'll get to we'll get to all the good things. Um, yeah, same. I a part of me is like, 
maybe Adam's family, right? Like that right. was the first thing where I was like, here she really is. But like, whenever you see her, even if she has one line, two lines, like in 16 Candles, I don't even know if she has lines in 16 Candles. But No, she's but she like, does try and drink from a fountain and it's very memorable. Right, right. She's just always so memorable. Um, but okay, I'm excited, Gavin. Why don't we get into our rewind? So there's not a lot written about Mrs. Joan Cusack, but she's given interviews before and, and she's she has talked some. But what, what I learned the most is she is a very shy person. Yeah. And she also just really is kind of uninterested in um, sacrificing much of anything for Hollywood. She's very content with her bit parts, is totally fine playing the best friend role um, that she has done over and over again. And I actually have come to really like the best friend role. <laughs> At first, I think I, because I did it in Working Girl 2, and and I've done it before. And, you know, in general, I've played a lot of character parts. Um, and I found that to be a great kind of wonderful life as an actor because, you know, and I, and I know it, especially from John, because he's always done kind of leading roles, that it's such a, there's such a pressure on you and it's such, it's such a demanding schedule. And there's something wonderful about being able to go in and do your part and show up and support the film and be part of the story and, and not have to carry the whole thing and then go home and, you know, be a leading lady in your real life. <laughs> she literally owns a like tchotchke store in Chicago and she's like... <laughs> Just hanging out, selling tchotchkes there. <laughs> oh, that's. Uh, I mean, I was going to save this for the end, but I think now is the perfect time to bring it up. I think my favorite thing about her, before we even really get into her history, is we put celebrities, actors, and actresses up on such a pedestal that when they do normal things, it feels weird. And yeah. one of my favorite bits coming across from her from doing the, the research on this was finding this interview she did with a local <laughs> news station about the movie, the end of the tour. And she was talking about how, you know, she lives in Chicago and they asked her to do this movie and it was in Michigan. So she like, she's like, yeah, I just, I drove from Chicago to Michigan. I stayed for like a week in like a hotel. I got paid. I drove back from Michigan. I, I stopped at an antique store, bought a chair and, and I went back to Chicago and the interviewer was like, oh, well, how was it? And she's like, it's awesome. Everyone fights over it. It was $35. I got at this thrift shop and it's like everyone fights over it because it rocks and swivels and turns. <laughs> and I was like, that's so <laughs> normal. That's so yeah. like, and that yeah. makes her seem weird, but th that's not weird at all. That's the, the human experience. You yeah, know? she's she's given interviews where she was like, Hollywood's weird. People are weird and we shouldn't be like putting people on pedestals. Like, don't do it, guys. Um, it's funny. I, I saw two interviews of her where her and her brother, John Cusack, um, her younger brother, um, they go to like comic cons or con conventions, you know, at different cities um, and they'll do interviews together. Like they'll, it'll be like, here's John and Joan on stage answering questions. And they're both just very low key, very kind of like, you know, she uh, people adore her for a lot of her iconic roles, um, which we'll get into. But everything is just so low key about them. You know, she's like, listen, making movies is hard. OK, like. <laughs> It's it's a privilege to do it when we can, you know, but like it's a lot of work and, and John, he keeps trying to make them, you know, and so when it finally happens, we, we just we have to have a good time. And I love that about her. She's always just like ready to have a good time. OK, I digress. Anyway, 
Uh, Joan was born October 11th, 1962. Um, that makes her 59 years old. It's very young. Uh, yes. She was born in New York City, but was raised in Evanston, um, which is a suburb outside of Chicago. Um, her mom, Ann Pollen Cusack, um, is a math teacher. Um, she was also really into politics and activism. And her father, Dick Cusack, um, he was an actor and filmmaker. She talks a lot in interviews about how growing up and the influence of her parents um, really was formative. They were the ones who put her and John uh, in, like, there was, like, a community theater outside of Chicago run by Jeremy Piven's parents, LOL. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and it's so fun to listen to her talk about it because, you know, she said the the first two that started to go were her and Anne, her her sister, and it was kind of because her parents were like, we have five kids, just go do whatever you want. (laughs) Right, right. And... Uh, Anne was really outgoing, and and I'm sure a lot of people have seen Anne. I, I think most recently Anne is on um, Better Call Saul, but uh, you've definitely seen Anne in many things. But she was talking about how Anne was really outgoing, and she was like really introverted and shy, like you were talking about. And the thing about this camp, their specific teaching style, is that there is no self consciousness. And I was really shy. So, and my sister was really outgoing, so she wanted to go, and I was like, huh. But then, because you weren't allowed to be self-conscious, I really liked it, because it took that burden away. Isn't that interesting? Because you weren't allowed to be self-conscious. So I was like, wow, I like that, because somehow you couldn't, so, so that's how we all sort of started doing it. And Jeremy was, you know, a younger kid, he was, you know, did the theater games, and, yeah. Like, I think I was seven and my sister was eight, and John did it when when he got to be, I think, you know, seven or eight, too. And um, we did Ray Bradbury stories and J.D. Salinger and um, Chekhov, and it was just sort of this wonderful little jewel. And, you know, it was just kind of a happenstance thing. Right. She, you know talks about like the way that they were working was very kind of like kind of avant-garde you know not really traditional acting classes or school it was just very you know you're reading the stage directions yourself you're at both the audience and the actor um very kind of cool kooky stuff um she graduated from the university of wisconsin madison so she did go to school um, she's an educated Wamana, um, <laughs> which her parents thought were really was a really important thing for her to accomplish as well. Right, but also, you know, she was uh, in high school around the same time where John Hughes is making all of his movies in Chicago, um, and so she's in high school and getting booked in movies. Um, I think she before she uh, even graduates, she was in Sixteen Candles already. Um, and, and in like and, other small little things before yeah, her that. her first film my bodyguard in which she doesn't really have you know any it's, it's, she's like a featured player right. but she was supposed to just be uh extra and they liked her enough that they were like why don't we you know stick you in a bunch of these scenes and right right i think i read you know people asking her like how, what was it like when you were in high school and you were you know in movies and she was like oh i was still the nerd there were still popular people like i was not cool because i was in these movies um and you know she has 
just this very specific energy. I mean, like jumping a little bit ahead to 16 Candles, it's just like you see Joan Cusack in this movie. Obviously, the back brace is doing a lot of work, but without telling us anything, she is telling us so much about this character. Um, there is so much visual information from the way she, her, she moves her face. The physicality of her is just so, so good. Um, and and I, I think that's maybe one of her like acting superpowers. She's got that great elastic face and so much emotion in her eyes and her brow. Um, but and, and that's going to just like keep her going um uh, throughout her career so like she does 16 candles um she does she's in grandview usa another movie that we talked about on this podcast yes for our jamie lee curtis episode yes so lord michaels had left snl dick ebersol replaced him ebersol leaves lord michaels returns and this is when he brings with him you know the hollywood cast this is robert right. Downey jr um my uh i can't think john, of isn't it john lovitz in it John Lovitz, Anthony Michael Hall, Terry Sweeney, um, and yeah, you're you're right. It's funny when you watch clips. You know, I I've seen things that are like, oh, these were her famous characters, and I watched the clips, and I'm like, this isn't really funny. You know, Randy Quaid was on, like, yes, Damon yeah, fam- Wayans. Famously, she did. The- oh yeah, Damon Wayans, who was fired. Um, she famously did this sketch where she's hosting like a midday talk show with a bunch of James Bond villains. And I was like watching it. I was like, yeah, this is passable, I guess. But like, it must be tremendously expensive to uh, set up an underground headquarters slash lair. Oh, forget about it. Plus you got to provide everything on site, like say a cafeteria. Otherwise, you got your people wandering down to the local village in their orange jumpsuits, having a few drinks and talking about the hollowed out volcano they live in. Working. Yeah, and she says, you know, she was more used to improv life. You know, she was not a sketch comedy gal. Um, so it just, she says they fired her, but she also says it just wasn't a good fit. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful that I was on that show because, again, it was just, it was like, God, to have done that, you just have a little bit more confidence to do things, even if it didn't go well. I, you know, and I felt so badly about it that I didn't make it on that show and it wasn't right for me. You know, that how could I, you know, I loved Gilda Radner and how could it have not worked out? And, and then I realized it wasn't the right environment for me, you know, that I, I was better doing theater stuff or, or just straight acting stuff. Around this time, also, though, John, her younger brother, four years her junior, his career is really taking off. Um, and their careers will be intertwined forever. Um, I think they've made 10 movies together um, where they play. Sometimes they do play brother and sister. Sometimes they play, you know, assistant to boss and um, all sorts of interpolations. Maybe maybe this is not the right time to bring it up because we're in like a random flux part of her career. How do you feel about it when they're together in a movie and they're not related? Because I am always like, but they're clearly related. (laughs) It's funny. I think physically they have, you know, uh, um, they resemble each other. There is clear, but she has that like shocking hair, red hair. He's got like jet black. They have 
they're like the, the two sides of a, of the same coin. She has like high frequency, like buzzing energy going on. And he has just the most low key intensity going on. And so they, and it, I, I am going to attribute it to their time together at th- that theater school because they're, she is such a good foil to him. Yeah. When she is kind of being manic and crazy, he's able to just like kind of look at her and be like, what? Like just deadpan. And she's, so I love the energy between them. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's clear, it's it's awkward because it's like, yeah, that they're their brother and sister. When like the title cards are like John and Joan Cusack. <laughs> um, I just think it's really fun more than anything. I'm like, oh, this is like so fun. They're like playing. You, you can feel how like good it is, I guess. I don't know. You don't like it. I don't dislike it. I just always think it's funny because it's like, it, like you can sense that energy and it's, I don't know. Like I liked the fact that a good example is, you know, Cradle Will Rock, which has a billion people in it anyways. Right. But they don't have any scenes together. And I was like, perfect. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Because unlike, let's say like in Gross Point Blank, right. where they have lots of scenes together and it's just kind of like, I'm just looking at it like, you guys are fun. Yeah. This is silly Billy. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, you exactly. work for him? Me? Oh, you, you don't have the same mom? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, it's not something I dislike because I do think you're right. I do think they play off each other really well. I love, you know, in, in addition to what you were saying about, you know, when she's manic, he's able to like chill it out. I love when she's disappointed in him in a movie. And I can't think of a better example than that <laughs> than like High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. when she brings like she actually does bring the superior air yeah. to it yeah. and it's yeah. like why don't you just stop being a fuck up for a yeah. moment yeah so like I, I i like when that polarity is slightly reversed and it's not necessarily that he's being manic but she's the more put together person look i can either stick up for myself or i can believe everything you say about me and end up hating myself but that's not much of a life is it huh i mean i think this is really the time to be talking Just because about it's me. never the time, Liz, I can't go on apologizing my whole life. I think just the once would do. Right. I mean, and, but that's, like, that's also the power of how good she is because she can go from like kooky manic girl to like authoritative get shit done. I will fuck you up if you don't listen right now. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, she does her one season of SNL is fired. But you know what? She's thriving, okay? Um, That's in 86. Um, In 87, she gets cast in Broadcast News. Um, And Broadcast News, baby, which is just like a huge, huge hit. Yeah. Um, Written, produced, directed by James Brooks. Like, Yeah, and it just, it it like fully changes the course of her career. And even though she is you know, still spends the next decade playing friends and these supporting roles. Hollywood sees her finally for the comedic genius she she sort of is and are like, okay, well, we have these roles for you. We have these positions you can be in. But it is very funny that her very next film that she does, which is not to get us off of broadcast news, but she's the romantic lead in that which is stars and bars. And then suddenly for the next like four or five movies, it's back to best friend. friend. <laughs> right. Right. And broadcast news is great. You know, she has 
an iconic scene where she's yeah. again using that physicality where she grabs the tape and is running through the newsroom to get it i i'm a sucker for these movies i'm a sucker for these journalism movies um gavin i imagine you have a special yeah um, um, connection to broadcast news i was you've literally worked in newsrooms like this i was gonna say it's very funny that you know this movie is the perfect intersection of of both you know different points of our careers yeah, I used to edit in the news. In fact, I am so old that I did, in fact, much like the editor in this film, edit deck to deck. So I have experienced that with the time code and everything and watching a, P- a poor PA run <laughs> from the edit room to a playback room. Uh, never quite as dramatic or harrowing as it is in this <laughs> film, because in this film it literally becomes an obstacle course. But I've seen it with my own eyes, and yeah, it's it's really brilliant. I will say though, this is my and this is uh, maybe higher than Joan Cusack or, or broader picture. But this is the first time I rewatched broadcast news, and I was kind of like, oh, I I wish some of these characters stuck to their guns a little more. But but I I guess that's I guess it's realistic. You know, I I had never seen it before, and so I'm glad um, I got to watch for Joan. But also, um, I had I had heard obviously people talk about it forever and how good it was. I love Holly Hunter. Oh my God, Holly Hunter! Desperately, yeah. um, put a pit in her. We got to do an episode on her soon. <laughs> um, With that voice. It, oh. <laughs> um. So yeah, broadcast news is great. We have a minute and a half. It's my responsibility to tell the control room and New York that we won't be ready. Uh-uh, we'll be ready. In 84 seconds? 15 seconds? Oh, God! You're saying, oh, God! Lay it in, Bobby. Back out. They're going to go up and the screen will be black, and they're going to go to black because we're not there. What about careers, huh? We're not going to make it! Whoops. Whoops. I didn't get to Stars and Bars. Do you have anything to say about her? Um, it's, Stars and Bars is unfortunately the last thing I watched, and it's not very good. So there you uh, go. But jo- but Joan Cusack's good in it, and also it's cool to see her as the love the the love interest to Daniel Day Lewis. Wow. And, okay. And not only just the love interest to Daniel Day Lewis, but the competing love interest, uh, very briefly at least, for Daniel Day Lewis. And Laurie Metcalf is the, the woman that he's with. So, yeah. I love, I also love doing this episode because it's such a specific time period where, like, yeah. and it's like we see a lot of the same faces coming in throughout, especially because she's mostly um, a smaller role. I'm like, oh, she's playing again. Like, Lily Taylor is in a lot of these movies. Yeah. But I guess also Lily Taylor is in a lot of John Cusack movies. I was like, okay, there's a lot going on here. I love it's good. Lily Taylor. That's I another know. put a pin in her. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, briefly, she's in Married to the Mob, which she talked about in for our Michelle Pfeiffer um, episode. She's so uh, funny, but, but like not not a big role by any means. Right. But but just it's, that opening scene, hilarious. Yeah, it's an audition for a Working Girl, really, yeah, because absolutely. in '88, I mean in '88, she's got Stars and Bars, Married to the Mob, and Working Girl. Working Girl probably is the um, cherry on top of all that because here is where she gets um, nominated for an Oscar, um, and truly just like. A tiny little supporting role, but yeah. she is so funny and so good. She, she's described the makeup and the hair in that movie as as doing kabuki theater. That's how it, she. It's enormous. It's yeah. enormous. Um, but it's just like 
the specificity of a time and a place. Um, I also had never seen Working Girl. And oh my God. I what, know. what a I pure know. delight. If I could go back in time and be like, this is your first time seeing Working Girl. I oh, know. So good. Sigourney Weaver is so good. <laughs> I also think, and this is a complete sidebar, I also think Working Girl is maybe the only time in Harrison Ford's career where he plays a character. Mm-hmm. Because it's I think Harrison I'm, Ford. It's not Harrison Ford. Like that first time that he shows up in the movie and he's like kind of befuddled for Melanie Griffith's working girl, uh, which is not her name in the movie, but I like that that's yeah, right, she, right. Play, she plays the she, titular role. Working the titular girl, girl who's working. Uh, um, but yeah, I I love every inch of that movie. And it's so funny because there's news just that just came out this past week that Selena Gomez is uh going to star in the remake and honestly like i'm not mad because i'm not one of those people that's like a remake ruins a movie because a remake doesn't it's not like everybody's gonna burn every copy of working girl but i think the important thing that she does need to know going in it is that movie is made on the character actors she surrounds herself with yeah and one of them being joan cusack but that movie is full of them sometimes i see and dance around the house in my underwear doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. What's funny is that Derek watched it because he was really um, going through all of Mike Nichols' movies. Okay. And he was telling me all this hot goss and tea about Working Girl and how Melanie Griffiths apparently was just like really struggling with a coke addiction and drug usage. And like he had to like shut down production. Um, it was an unwell, not good experience. But... Uh, he is such a genius and everyone is so good that like in the end, the movie really turned out, um, which I am very thankful for because first time watching, I was like, okay, this is incredible. <laughs> I think 89 is the first time she works with John, right? Yes. Um, and that's in say anything. Um, again, another movie I had heard about a lot, but never seen. Um, and it is, she is the, the rom-com blueprint. Like yeah. I don't like the team rom-com, um, um re- I fa- I famously don't like this movie. But that's I, yeah. <laughs> she plays um his older sister, not a stretch, but but I think uh, John Cusack's really good in this movie and like the moment where he's they have like they have a couple scenes together. She's not in a lot of it, but she's basically raising the him and um her own child and he's like you used to be really funny and she was like I was funny, huh? Like, there's just like, you can sense the tenderness between them. Like, it feels very real. Um, and I, I, why don't you like it, Kevin? What's, I just what's think it's too long and too cluttered. And I think, like, much like most of the films of Cameron Crowe, it's like desperately in need of somebody to cut it down. But that's, <laughs> I mean, that's my biggest complaint about it. I also haven't seen it in years. I did not rewatch it for this, I will say. Um, I I enjoyed it. I was like, it took me back to a time when people respected teenagers. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> like, you know, it's like these are human beings with thoughts that aren't just like, I'm a dumb, dumb teenager, which was nice to see. It does help that you wake up every morning, look in the mirror and go, I'm the teenage dream. Yeah, I do do that. I do do that. Um, next up, I saw uh, Men Don't Leave, <laughs> which is the craziest fucking name of a movie I've ever heard in my life. Because <laughs> let me tell you something, men be, do be leaving, okay? Um, this, and, and uh, uh, 
complicated thoughts of this movie is what I'll say, especially surrounding Joan's character. Joan essentially is like this older woman who I don't know why starts take uh, has an interest, romantic interest in uh, Jessica Lange's young son played by Chris O'Donnell, the tiniest Chris O'Donnell I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, essentially Jessica Lange's husband dies. She has a hard time raising her kids and has no money, moves to the city in the same building. Joan Cusack lives there. Jessica continues to have issues, um, falls into a depression. and But don't worry, because Joan Cusack is maybe having sex with her son who is a teenager um maybe i don't know they don't confirm that but he does spend the night a lot over at her place um and also she's like a caregiver so she goes down and is like you're depressed i'll save you and that's the movie (laughs) i um, i this was another one i unfortunately didn't have the time to get to it it was also could have been mentioned in our kathy bates episode Yes, and Kathy's in here. And I didn't see it for that either. So I someday <laughs> you know I'll what? see men don't leave. Gavin, don't leave. Um, I know you saw The Cabinet of Dr. Ramirez. I did. Uh, Cabinet of Dr. Ramirez is this experimental um, silent film that she did with Peter Sellers as director, not comedian Peter Sellers, but opera director Peter Sellers. And it's her and Peter Gallagher and famous ballet dancer Mikhail Baryshnikov. And yeah, it's arty, and but is it art? 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 But is it art? And uh, yeah, I I think there's some good stuff in it, and it's it, everywhere is listed as being almost two hours. It's not. It's an hour and a half, and so like if you want to watch it, it's on YouTube. It's not a really shitty VHS rip because it never got a theatrical release. It was played once on PBS, uh, but. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but she, but speaking to that quality they're talking about, about her face and about her movement, there's this really beautiful looking scene where she's standing outside a coffee shop and Barishnikov is like playing an unhoused person who is um, possibly also a serial killer sleepwalker. And he's, like, reaching for her, and she's carrying all this coffee, and she's, like, trying to move away, and it almost looks like a dance. And then he, like, grabs her, and she drops all the coffee and screams, and all you can see is, like, this giant close-up of her face. And I I think there's some beautiful stuff in there, but it's not a successful experiment as a whole. What's wild is that she does so many tip spots that, like, just looking at her filmography, I'm like, we've watched a lot of these movies for other episodes, I don't remember her from Hero. Yeah, I don't remember her from Hero either. And it's funny, she plays Dustin Hoffman's wife. So I, I like huh. re- went back and like looked at some clips and stuff and was like, oh yeah, his estranged wife. She so, She's not in a ton of it. Um, yeah. but we watched that for Gina Davis, who uh, actually won the Oscar for Accidental Tourist the same year that she was up for Working Girl. So there you go. She got her Full Oscar, circle. which is not to say I, I don't mean to say she got her Oscar. Just she won the Oscar and Joan didn't. Um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not causing drama between the two of them. <laughs> Joan, if you're listening, you need to call Gina. She has your Oscar. I, I do want to say I noticed that you carefully skipped it. Uh, have you seen My Blue Heaven? No, <laughs> that's OK. That's OK. But 
I love My Blue Heaven. You I love I, it. Okay. I love My Blue Heaven. So much so that the first time I visited Austin, Texas, uh, which I always think it's a little crazy to go see a movie on a vacation, but we were in Austin, Texas, and their matinee that Sunday at the original Alamo Draft House, the Ritz, which is now closed, was My Blue Heaven. So I drugged Dan to it. It's so good. It is a very odd movie about a con man. It's directed by Herbert Ross, written by Nora Ephron, starring Steve Martin and uh, Rick Moranis and Joan Cusack. I love, I'm not going to talk too much about this movie, but needless to say, you should watch it at some point. It's very funny. Steve. It's maybe one of my favorite Steve Martin roles. He's really going for it throughout the entire movie. Call me Vinny. It says here your name is Todd. Barney Coopersmith, FBI. Hannah Stubbs of the district attorney's office. What's going on here, Vinny? Barney, you got a ring of phony ministers stealing liquor. Make me a minister, I'll go undercover, infiltrate them, we'll nail all these... All right, knock it off. What do you got? Grand theft auto. Felony theft. We gave you a car. What happened to it? If I could remember that, I wouldn't have borrowed the other one. We're arraigning him in the morning. No, you're not. We most certainly are. This man is in the federal witness program. He's under the protection of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I'm the agent in charge of what his case. What are you doing in my purse? Just looking. Cute kids. Thank you. Baseball fans, I yes. see. Yes. That's your husband? Not anymore. Carol Kane's in it for literally just a tip spot. He delivers the best line in the movie to her, which he meets her at a grocery store, and he's like, you know, it's dangerous for you to be in the frozen food section. Why is that? Because you could melt. All this stuff. stuff. Uh, <laughs> Carol Kane, who we'll see again later also. Yeah. Um, but gotta say, my blue heaven, <laughs> that's what Democrats call Austin in Texas. <laughs> I like that you added in the in Texas. Yeah. We do have an international call. audience, so right, we do, we do. Um okay, but you know, the the I would say the meteorite hitting Earth and blasting off for Joan has to be 1993's Adam's Family Values. Absolutely. Uh, this is her kind of moving front and center um, in a movie that really just hits with a lot of people. She plays Debbie Jelinski, um, who is the homicidal, uh, murderess, um, man-eater. Um, Black Widow. Yes. She is just everything... Somehow she is everything the Adams family is, and yet the complete opposite. Um, this movie's a barrel of laughs. She's incredible. I'm sure we'll be talking about it later. I can show you all my references so you know I'm not a homicidal maniac. Of course you're not. You're too young. Just great. Just a true star-turning performance. I will say, in a, in a non-star-turning performance, though it should have been, I will always have a soft spot for the movie Toys, which came out the year prior. She plays Robin Williams' sister. Toys is a really fucked up movie. I'm sure it does not hold up. Uh, but I saw it at such a young, inappropriate age that I will always hold a soft spot for it. And I truly think her performance is amazing. And since you clearly have not seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But there is a big, like, third act reveal with her character. I'm scared but, now. But she's great in it. She's the most, like, literally the most heightened Joan Cusack performance. Like... There's a scene where she's eating a sandwich and she opens it up to reveal that the only thing that's on the sandwich is like butter and pills. Like <laughs> she's yeah, she's 
bonkers in it. It's so good. Such a, a crazy out there performance. Is that all you're having? White bread's the worst thing you can eat. No, Jason, it's very soft and pliable. It slides down the system without disturbing anything. There's no nutrition in that sandwich. Yes, there is. Vitamin pills. Well, something's working because you always look the same age to me. Well, that's where she's like, she shines when she's able to be crazy and out there, you know, because she always can rise to the level. I don't think there's anything that's out of her wheelhouse. Um, and, but she's also able to just like inject so much like humanity. I think I, I listened to an interview with her for Anna's Family and she was like, I just didn't want to have any shame. I wasn't going to like judge, you know, Debbie and um, have a lot of fun. And I was like, huh, that's like, you know, that's a really cool way to like approach it. I did kind of think it's this misogynistic and, you know, she's capable, confident, sexually sophisticated woman. What, you know, why is she a killer? And then I thought, no, it's just funny. And it's just a movie. Other tip spots coming up that I did not realize she was in Corinna Corinna, which I have definitely seen. Don't remember yeah, her. We, we watched it for our Whoopi Goldberg episode. Correct. Nine months, um, which we watched for Julianne Moore. Um, I think we can stop at, oh, I don't know, maybe 96's Mr. Wrong. Yes, um, that's a good Ellen place to Dege- stop. Ellen DeGeneres's um, flopty, flop flopperson movie yeah, that ever flopped. Dark, dark romantic comedy. It's so hard to watch Ellen DeGeneres falling in love with Bill Pullman, knowing what we know now about Ellen DeGeneres and that's that she's mean that she's not a good person. Yeah. That she's not um, a good person. It's no, it's, it's bizarre because Ellen has zero sexual chemistry with. Yeah. And this was, and, and this was prior to her coming out. So like, I do, I do want to say that like America yeah, didn't know, but like, right. but it's, it's, but I've, Everyone did know that she has, she's, she yeah. ends up with like the young hot guy. And I'm like, yeah, not that. I mean, Ellen is a fine looking woman. I'm sure she's happy in her marriage, all those good things. But she is a funny gal. She is not the sexy. And I mean, not even like sexy, sexy, but like romantic and, gal. There's no romance to And Ellen. what's weird is the tone of the movie is very off because Ellen's doing her like, sarcastic shtick thing yep. and everybody else is a fucking cartoon character like yep. joan cusack and bill pullman are like playing to the rafters and yep. she's like huh crazy this stuff is happening right she's kind of like watch looking directly into the camera and being like the world's weird right I'm like what's going on with you guys like it's like do you not know the bit we're doing babe? yeah um so mr wrong very wrong um the year after 97 gross point blank another movie with her brother um he is an assassin she is his assistant um i think she's great in gross point blank um yeah absolutely and it's not a huge it's not a huge role but she her presence is felt in a ton of the film yeah no where the fuck is it i ordered three days ago No, that doesn't work. That's that's not right. Let me go over it again, all right? Let's see. 3,000 rounds of 9mm subsonic. You had that. I gave that to you on the fucking list. Well, I don't give a goddamn where it is. You get it here now. Right, because she's... 
the movie has a really kind of slick, cool um, style and vibe to it. It's like, he's a killer. We're not going to talk about it. It's fine. It's weird. And she is just like, imagine the secretary who has to take care of these hired killers. And, you know, all the stereotypical things that a secretary would do and, and be helpful with. And she is just like killing it, um, pun intended. Um, I think they've said at, at uh, in interviews together that this was the movie that they had the most fun making together. And you can tell. It's just a lot of fun. And it's funny because I've listened to her in interviews I've heard people ask, like, do like when John Cusack gets a script, do you just hope that there's like a role for you in it? And she's like, it's not about that. It's about the fact that we like working together, that it's like a fun thing for us to do is is to appear on screen together. But I will say this. It's rare that it's a Joan Cusack movie with John playing, you know, and that's I just think that's the nature of the their their different star tracks. Right. I think, you know. John obviously has had way more leading man roles than um and Joan has ever had um but I think Joan's uh, priorities are very different. Uh Joan has said she's like I wanted to get married. I wanted to start a family. I wanted to live in Chicago. That's where I'm from. That's where the people I know. And she just not isn't really interested in kind of sacrificing her personal life for movies. I think it's and I think it's kind of cool. She understands what this industry is about and what this business is and that a lot of it is a business decision. And so when she is making movies, it is with her friends. It is with her brother. And she's totally fine being, you know, that best friend character. Um, you know, even today, I th- was she not attached to the Julia docuseries on HBO? And she was like, I'm not shooting that anywhere else than Chicago. Like, yeah, so she's she passed on it like and she's like i don't care i don't care that much um which i love it's great um in 97 same year as gross point blank she's in in and out um which is another high point of her career she gets nominated for another academy award um in and out was or is um maybe one of like the early like 90s uh, gay movies where it's like ooh mainstream homosexuality how crazy Um, Kevin Klein plays this teacher who is outed because one of his former students wins an Academy Award and says, this one's for you, my gay teacher or something right. to that effect. And and it's all based on, you know, essentially the Tom Hanks Academy Award right. speech for Philadelphia when he, you know, said this teacher I had was gay. And it was like, well, what would happen if you outed a teacher? Um, yeah, I... I mean, In and Out is very much of its time, but I, I, I don't know. I hate saying this. I love In and Out. <laughs> I think it's no, so much fun. You're right. And, and, you're and right. Like, I was like, "Where's Gavin going with this? Where?" Well, I think because I think if you look at it analytically and you really like, it's very easy to find the flaws. I think that the you know the biggest flaw in it is that it is very much of its time 1997 it's so binary the decision is that like he is gay or he is not and it's very weird because you don't really see any of his internal life outside of that he loves barbara streisand it's like has he ever been attracted to men has you know like does this man secretly have affairs with men does he jerk off to pictures of it but the but the movie's not interested in that because it's such it is a it's a heightened almost parody you know it's a farce when you want the you levels know? of farce are so good. Yeah. I mean, when they show us clips of the movie that the guy made, 
where like he's yeah. a soldier who's when they gay. Show, they show the whole movie at the Academy yes. Awards. Yes, as as his movie clip, and and I was like, oh, some girlies in the studio were like, we're gonna fuck with Hollywood a little bit. Yeah, uh, and to get to Joan, I she yeah. is just. So she's um, engaged to Kevin Klein's character and they've been dating for three years and they have not consummated the relationship. Um, and finally, you know, he's, he's outed. Um, there is a scene where he's like, is trying to not be gay, but like the music is playing. Yeah, and it's I Will re- Survive. Yeah, and he realizes he is. Gloria Gaynor and, responsible for outing many gay men. Correct. Um, and... I mean, the, the scene of this movie with Joan is when she's, she has, you know, the wedding has been called off because Kevin Klein has officially come out. She is furious. She um, used to be a fat person and she lost all this weight and she's so proud of herself and she's going to get married and her life's turning around. And then now her fiance is gay. So she runs to the bar and is desperate to hook up with anybody. And she's like, Three years, three years of holding hands and dates. Will you sleep with me? And it's um, Tom Selleck, Selleck, who is a gay reporter. And he's like, I can't sleep with you. Why? Well, I'm gay. And it just like cuts to the exterior. It's dead silent. And she kicks the door open and she says, Is everybody gay? Is this the Twilight Zone? It's so so funny and so so good um can can i say that my only other problem with the movie and they're lucky that they have joan cusack and she does get nominated for an academy award for this as well for supporting but they're so mean to her character yes and and so i'm glad she has she has one of the few non-farcical dramatic scenes in the movie when he calls off the wedding and she yells at him mm-hmm. and i like they put so much emphasis on the fact that she used to be fat yep. and like as an as an overweight person myself i'm like oh come on guys and i'm glad there's a that scene and i'm glad that tom Selleck in the bar tells her like it's nothing you did he should have told you sooner yes like, this is on him and those, like, those moments, I think, really sell me on th- that the movie itself doesn't, isn't being mean-spirited and is trying to avoid being mean-spirited. Because she, funny enough, for a movie that that could easily slip into, like, really terrible homophobia, yep. like, the, the person they're meanest to is poor Joan, virginal Joan Cusack, who has, you know, right. used to be a fat person and, like, can't find a man to love her. Right. And then, and of it, course, she does end up with, you know, the movie stars as, right, like, right. a reward. Right. I think, you know, it's that commentary of, like, there are these sad, straight women who are so naive yeah. that are being tricked by gay men. And that was, I mean, that's cliche at this point but was very a thing that was talked about a lot in the late 90s and the early aughts you know these gay men who are hiding right amongst us um but whatever that's in and out she's great in it um today i had the choice to either watch adam's family again or arlington road i chose adam's family but i wanted to watch arlington road because isn't she like kind of a bad girl She's a terrorist. Uh, her and Tim <laughs> Robbins are terrorists. Uh, I had seen Arlington Road before. I did rewatch it for this. I still think it's not a great movie. It's like 
a very preposterous movie. Um, it's one that if you think about for too hard, your your brain just melts. And <laughs> but I think she's really good at. I think she outshines. You know, it's it's Jeff Bridges in the lead and Tim Robbins. You know, and they're the foils for each other. Jeff Bridges is the um, widower of an FBI agent who was killed in what the FBI thought was take. They were taking down like homegrown terrorists. And he also happens to be a professor who teaches a course on terrorism. And his new neighbors in town are these, like, seemingly perfect couple, Tim Robbins and Joan Cusack. And, spoiler alert, gasp, they're terrorists. (laughs) And she is so good and so creepy because she literally, off screen... But she kills his girlfriend like ah! his his girlfriend tries to warn him and she like sees her in, in the parking lot and is like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Just shopping. What are you doing here? Shopping. And it's just this very awkward... <laughs> And then it cuts to black, and the next thing you find out that she died in a car crash. And so it's uh, just like... I saw the scary. trailer, and I was like, Joan is giving her best Stepford yep. situation. Um, yeah. Okay. 99 is also a big year for her, because she's in Cradle Will Rock, all written and directed by... Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. <laughs> Hello? Like she, it's all in the family. Um, <laughs> I saw Cradle Will Rock today. I liked it a lot. It's 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 good. It's it's a little. My problem with it is it gets very muddled. Uh, Tim Robbins is telling a story. It's a a story about the first production of Cradle Rock, which I actually got to see a, a production of Cradle Rock wow. a couple of years ago, uh, and it's still great. But about the first production of Cradle Rock, but he's also intertwining it with the end of the public theater, the beginning of HUAC, and the destruction of this Diego Rivera mural at Rockefeller Center. And, you know, those things all happened, but, you know, like, the destruction of the mural happens in, like, 32, I want to say, 32 or 34. The the public theater ends in 38. Like, the, right. the Cradle Rock was, like, 36. He's, like, really compressing the timeline in order to make a point. And, like, right. honestly, I am I love the point. Like, the point is yeah. about, like, don't, don't fear socialism. And there's, like, a, a public need for a lot of stuff. And, and public arts are not the enemy. And, and I think that's all really fascinating. But I think the way the movie is chopped up and, like, as an editor, like, really bothered me. I think a lot of a lot of those things, like, interrupt the flow. And I would have taken some of it out or, or placed it in different places. And also, like, once again, not to shit on our brother, but I think John Cusack is actually pretty bad as uh, John D. Rockefeller. He only has a couple scenes, but I was just like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, the gag of that movie is the last scene yeah. where it's like... We got rid of public theater, and now look at this. We're all whores to fucking... Yeah, the signs of Times Square. Yeah, like yeah. The, the beating heart of theater in America is riddled with McDonald's and Coke and the Virgin Megastore and all that mess. Um, I was like, okay, Well, gag. they got the Virgin Megastore, so they... <laughs> and replaced it with a Forever 21, so yeah, exactly. how about that? Um, and her final for the hat trick of 99... Not even. There's four ninety nine. Um, final acting performance or live action performance is in Runaway Bride. Yeah. Um. You know, I had gotten away with not watching this movie forever, and finally watched it, and I was like, "Well, 
I was right. <laughs> I had uh, seen it before as a kid, and it was funny because I was, shout out to Zeta Short of the 300 Passions podcast. I was recently on the 300 Passions podcast talking about my best friend's wedding, and this movie got referenced a lot, and I kind of bluffed my way through it because I was like, I haven't seen it in years. I just remember being really bad. And then rewatching for this, I was like, I hate this movie. I hate it so much. <laughs> so yeah. like, uh, yeah. but, but this is one of those movies where it's like, journalism is whatever yeah being a writer is whatever you want it to be also you can kind of be a not fully formed and bratty selfish adult and everybody will still love you in the end i mean the scene like there's there's so many things and i don't want to bring up any of them because none of them have to do with joan cusack who is playing just julia roberts best friend in butterfly clips as a hairdresser but (laughs) The scene where Julie Roberts confronts her dad about his alcoholism because he says something nasty about the fact that she's left three men at the aisle and she's like, well, I don't want a dad who's an alcoholic or whatever. And then, like, everything's fine. I was like, no, what the fuck is this stupid melodrama dramatic shit? Like, yeah, not for me. No, it's Um, not for me either. Um, Seriously, if you go into a, if you go, if somebody goes to do your hair, if you go into a salon and they're like, oh, I'm going to wash your hair and it takes fucking two hours because they're dying it. Right. You're a bad journalist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I can't even go through all the like nonsense of him being like, guys, shh, I'm writing my column in the middle of a bar. (laughs) Or the whole idea that like a columnist could be walking down like new york streets and people being like hey what's going on right yeah. me in the call like that's not how that works yeah um, just random people pitching you with stories at bars yeah no. yeah um I, I can't go down that rabbit hole i can't go <laughs> um she is in toy story 2 um she's the voice of jesse um who you know what i'm sure jesse is paying for all the bills i know i was just gonna say jesse has paid for both of her son's college and yes. you know yeah. Uh, yeah. any dental work that she's had over the last you know 20 years uh yeah i think this is maybe her most famous mainstream role which sounds insane because it's a cartoon but toy story has been with us yeah all of our lives yes and so for kids that are just experiencing now like it's a whole new like you know, being introduced to, to Joan Cusack. Also, like, once again, she didn't do anything uh, but the when she loved me scene, which is just all <sighs> set to the Sarah McLaughlin. Like, oh, I boy. I know. It's... She, and Jesse is a delight. She as, is a delight. Yeah. As Jesse brings so much heart. Yeah, no humor, notes. No notes at all. And for this um, going and all Toy Story going is out after it is... So good. Look, Jesse, I know you hate me for leaving, but I have to go back. I'm still Andy's toy. Well, if you knew him, you'd understand. You see, Andy's Let me a... guess. Andy's a real special kid. And to him, you're his buddy, his best friend. And when Andy plays with you, it's like, even though you're not moving, you feel like you're alive. Because that's how he sees you. How did you know that? Because Emily was just the same. She was my whole world. In 2000, she's in High Fidelity, another movie with uh, John as the lead. Um, I had never watched this, and I put it on, and me and Derek are watching it. And Derek was like, this is the straightest movie I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I I love High Fidelity, though, I will say. I do love it. Both of us were um, 
only upset because we loved the show starring yeah. um, Zoe Kravitz so much. And so we wanted a little bit more of that flavor. Yeah. Um, no, they, I mean, they did a good job translating. I've not they seen did. the show, but I've, the, the stuff that I know of it, like, I want, I want, I really want to watch the show, but I only want to watch it if it's going to continue, which I know it's not. So it's not, it's not. Um, but yeah, she plays the best friend of the girl that John Cusack is. Yeah. Main, whatever. Another Lily Taylor joint um, here as well. Um, where should we stop next, Gavin? She's in Where the Heart is for a Tip Spot, the very Muppet Christmas movie, which we covered in our um, Christmas musicals. No, we didn't. That's We what, didn't? Yeah. So this, uh, I just want us to very quick stop here. It's a very, um, it's a very Merry Muppet Christmas movie is the first television film that they made for, because the other Christmas movies are specials, not television oh. movies. So this was the very first ever like Muppet television movie. It was also made for NBC a year before they were sold to Disney. So it is one of the few Muppet properties Disney wow. does not own, wow. does not have the rights to. And yeah, I watch it for this and it's fun. It's cute. Um, it's a little too much of its time, which I know is funny because like the Muppet movie is very 70s. But this like there's all an extended scrubs gag and there's a bit with the crocodile hunter and it's like, I don't need this. OK, yeah, but she's very good. She's the villain in it. She's like a heartless banker. And I love that she like doesn't learn a lesson. You can pay me the considerable debt you owe me in full by midnight of the 24th or vacate this theater. But, but but the 24th is Christmas Eve. Yes, it also happens to be the due date for payment on the theater. It's funny how one day can mean so many different things. But, but we had a deal with Mr. Bitterman. You, you see, he said we could extend the contract and pay him after the whole week of shows. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, too bad you don't have anything in writing contracts what are you gonna do i thought i thought it was a cute with a capital q she's cute um in 2003 um year after that she's in school of rock yeah. um which is one of her more iconic roles she's the uptight principal who kind of through the movie becomes uh, a little bit more unwound and, and it loosens up a little yeah. bit is... She, she's sort of on to jack black from the beginning but then also yep. like very charmed by him too and... yes uh, Jack Black, who's also in Cradle Rock. Yeah, and um, High Fidelity. Yes, and High Fidelity, that's right. Um, but School of Rock we talked about in our... Um, Richard Linklater Richard episode. Richard Linklater episode. But, but I, I will say, I do, I love her performance in School of Rock, and I think it it is a perfect blend of of what she can do, because you know, I guess we, we haven't really talked about the, the three roles that Hollywood typecasts her in is the best friend... The like wacky, like really wacky out there person, or the uptight, like mm -hmm. like everything has to be by the rules. And I loved watching her in this because sometimes when she does uptight, it's a bit of a waste. I'll be perfectly honest because it's like she can do so many things, and you're not letting her be. But in this, like watching her unwind, watching you know that edge of seventeen scene where yeah, Jack yeah. Black's like, "I'd like to go on a field trip," and she's like singing along to Edge of Seventeen. You know what? Oh man, I would love to take the kids to a concert. Concert? Yeah. There's one at the end of the month that would be perfect. The Philharmonic, they do the classics, they do Beethoven, Mozart, Enya, that kind of stuff. Huh. 
Oh, but you guys have a policy about field trips, huh? Would it be educational? Would it be educational? It could be very educational. Maybe we can make an exception. It's so good and so well played. And like, maybe, you know, on a scale of one to ten of all the things she could do, maybe like only a six. But right. she's so powerful at only a six. But even like the scene where like that rocker who's wearing like the low, oh my low God. jeans. Isn't is that guy in on... the government now, by the way? Isn't he? The, did somebody what? find out a couple years ago that he's like a politician? That's crazy. I hope he's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Great. Love that. The power of Joan and Jack Black. Uh, Like we mentioned, she does a tip spot in Looney Tunes back in action. She, I I did watch Raising Helen, which is fine. Um, That's literally um, the the thing that I was referring to about being uptight and wasting like that. Yeah. 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 Very that. Um, Let's go. Um, She lends her voice to Chicken Little in 2005. Um, I did watch Friends with Money in 2006, this little indie joint with Jennifer Aniston um, and Frances McDormand. Um, it was also fine. Nothing to write home about. Oh, uh, he he's, he's bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn it. He's a he's a district attorney, but he's a Republican. Boo. Boo. I could see Sorry. you searching. I just I had like... to fall down that rabbit hole of finding that information out. <laughs> um. So I'm breezing through, but I do want to mention uh, 2008's War Incorporated. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. I think people just call it War Inc. I think they're okay calling it that. Um, I think they're incorporated, actually. <laughs> uh, this is uh, John Cusack joint again. He co-wrote and produced the film. Um, this was a weird watch. This I'd not seen or heard of. And as I was watching it, I was like, Oh, this is one of those anti-war, anti-backlash like movies to the war on terror and all that shit, which is a-okay with me. But it to me, it had like all... It reminded me a lot of American Dreams, because it's very satirical, um, is really aiming f- right for the top. You know, there's a Dick Cheney kind of... Um, inversion character um they that they go to turkestan i believe is the fictional place they're going and it's all about putting this country up on its feet with like popeyes and um there's a starlet it is hillary duff doing a kind of you have you not watched this no no but it is but that does sound very american dreams yes it's american i mean i loved american dreams which we talked about for our many more episode i don't think war inc is as successful it's uh, the the whole twist i mean spoiler alert the twist at the end is that john cusack's is the father of hillary duff but have i seen this movie anyways i don't <laughs> it, th- this movie has been called the spiritual um cousin to gross point blank he is a assassin she plays the assistant again um, but it's just very centered on saying fuck you to the American government and the war in Iraq and all those fun, fun things. Um, it it did not do well. It, it was, again, just too, too close to the time period. People were not ready for it. But also, I think it's fucking nuts. I mean, like Hillary Duff being a Middle Eastern pop star, but then secretly 
John Cusack's daughter. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, it's yeah, that very sounds weird. Not... And Hilary Duff is doing is doing an accent. So there's oof. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Why do you mean you don't want my? No, don't do it, Louis. Just, just yeah. I'm not just joking. Move on. <laughs> um, she does tip spots in Confessions of a Shopaholic, My Sister's Keeper. Um, um, she plays the psychiatrist in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yes, uh, I think she's very good, and it's not once again, it's not a big role, but it is, you know, she's there. I the previous mentioned the end of the tour. It's not a mm-hmm. big role, but it is a slightly it's a comedic role in a slightly more dramatic movie. Mm-hmm. And that's a, and this is maybe the new phase where. I guess she sort of aged out of best friend. So what they're doing is right. they're making her the mom. There's, it's mom. It's also like mom's best friend. It's like older woman who has like a weird thing going on. Um, yeah, it's it, it definitely is a new era for her. I mean, like this kind of era, I feel like we can kind of just zip through. Yeah. I watched Mars Needs Moms. It's a uh, um, a card, a CGI thing she did, motion capture for that. Um, of course, there's just Toy Story three in 2014. She has a bit part in Welcome to Me, the Kristen Wiig. Um, I don't even know what to call that movie. It is yeah, an alleged movie. I uh, I, I saw it in the theater, so I um, saw it at Nighthawk Cinema. I remember poor, the drink being thing. very good. <laughs> but at least we have that. Um. So pop pop star never stops stopping. She's very funny in that movie. I mean, the scene where she's like giving kids coke and she's like, kids first, mom second. (laughs) (laughs) She had her own dreams of becoming a star back in the day and she gave it up to have me. So I really owe her for that. And I'm lucky to have her support. Okay, you go first. Kids first and then moms. The main thing I think for this era of her career though people know her from is actually her work on tv um from 2011 to 2015 she was in shameless playing sheila jackson um she was the only person from the show that ever won an emmy for their work on the show and she Um, was nominated all five years that she was on too nonetheless yeah Yeah, and she's amazing i didn't watch all of shameless but i definitely watched while she was on and she's so good she plays an agoraphobic yeah kind of sexual kinkster i i watched the pilot and i remember her being very good but i didn't like the british shameless and the pilot is very similar and i hear that's where they like diverge after that but i was just like Meh. <laughs> um she's in a series of unfortunate events the netflix joint yeah if you will. reteaming with barry sonnenfeld who directed the adams family values and um Going way back, she did have a um, a show on ABC, um, What About Joan, that I remember watching. I remember yeah. being like, I love her and I'm going to watch this show. Um, I don't remember what it was. It was just a show about Joan. And she was uh, she was like a college professor, I think. But the I remember watching it, too. But I listened to an interview where she was like right around the time that she'd gotten it too so like she didn't know it was getting canceled but she was like i'm basically doing it because they're willing to shoot it in chicago because it allows me to be a mom and like be at home and and i'm like i love that and she had just found out that she was pregnant with her second child around that time what are you still doing here oh i had an advisory with one of my girl students and god such problems you never heard and i think decency demands that you can't end the session until one of you stops crying By the way, Joan, uh, nothing happened here between us here. Betsy, when are you going to do I don't want to talk about him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, you know, that kind of covers 
all of her, you know, film roles, like really quickly, her personal life. Um, she married an attorney, Richard Burke, um, in 1996. They have two sons, Dylan and Miles. Um, she was she discovered she was pregnant um, on the first day of shooting Mr. Wrong, which is very funny because Mr. Wrong sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they still live in Chicago. She says, you know. Her, her mother was very political. She's not yes. super political, but she is more interested in psychology. psychology. But but that even being said, she her, her and her brother did sign like a um, anti-war, not in my name resolution, uh, right, pr- right. opposing the invasion of Iraq ba- all right. the way back in 2003. Yeah. Um, and you did mention she does own a store since 2011. She owns the Judy Maxwell home, which is a gift shop in Old Town Chicago. And that is named after Barbara Streisand's character in What's Up Doc, which is Cusack's favorite movie, which is also in one of the few films in the Mixed Reviews Hall of Fame. Yes, it is. Snaps for that. Okay. Icon Queen. She's got taste. Um, yeah, there's a really fun uh, New Yorker piece where like a writer goes to see the um, the gift shop, and it's just like Joan is like fiddling with tchotchkes. No one recognizes her. They're just like, yeah. And she has said in things. I I also watched her at like Comic Con appearances and and whatnot. And she's like, yeah, I'm there. Like, come visit. Yeah, it's and like her and her like it. They didn't say he's a gay assistant, but like it seems like he's a gay assistant who works at the shop. <laughs> you and know what? Just... It's 2022. Don't make assumptions, Louie. Don't. <laughs> no, don't, she has a gay best friend. <laughs> don't don't out that assistant. <laughs> oh my God. Do you think he's going to come look for me? <laughs> he is. He's going to um, look you up. I- I'm listed, honey. I'm in the pages. <laughs> um, See you in the magazines. <laughs> yes. Uh, but that's really, you know, all of uh, the filmography and stuff um, we have on Miss Joan. Gavin, should we get into our picks? We absolutely should. Let's start with the negative first, because she's had such a wide, varying career. I think we should start with the stuff that we didn't love so much. Well, this was, uh, you know, in the end, ended up being very easy for me. I, I will say... I did start out by being like um, raising Helen because I was like, "Ugh, what a fucking waste. What an absolute waste. But then I saw Mr. Wrong. And yeah, Mr. Wrong is such a slog. As we previously mentioned, it's an Ellen DeGeneres rom-com vehicle in which she's a woman who's unlucky in love until she meets this man who is seemingly perfect, played by Bill Pullman. But turns out, no, he's absolutely insane. And Mm -hmm. he has this ex-girlfriend who has a new lover, which is the only joke that I thought was funny, was the (laughs) fact that his ex-girlfriend's new lover is helping her out. But Joan Cusack plays this previous lover who is willing to kill any woman that Bill Pullman falls in love with. And she starts out by threatening Ellen DeGeneres. She corners her in her home. She, like puts gum in her hair. Uh, Then the second scene escalates to her trying to stab her to death in the middle of the (laughs) desert. But that being said, this performance is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She just isn't being directed. And listen, I had to Google who directed this movie and I saw Nick Castle. And then I was like, no way. (laughs) 
Can't be that Nick Castle. Can't be the Nick Castle we talked about in our John Carpenter episode that played Michael Myers in the original Halloween. Turns out, in fact, it is Nick Castle. It is Michael Myers himself, Nick Castle, who has directed maybe more movies than John Carpenter. You're saying that... Michael Myers directed Ellen DeGeneres and Mr. Wrong. Yeah, M- Michael Myers, the serial killer, not the comedian. Right, correct, yes. <laughs> correct. Um, yeah, this movie is just fu- not funny. Like it's no, it's no. like ninety percent like falling flat on its face when when it comes to jokes. Ellen's really annoying in it. She's very unlikable. And listen, you don't have to be likable to be a protagonist, but you have to make me care about you. And I did not care one iota what happened to her at any point in time. Bill Pullman is trying, I guess. Yes. But but he is but once again, he's a cartoon character. Yeah. And so I I, I don't know what reality he's going for. And then you have Joan, who is like harping about. Just like screaming and like speech impediment, like dumb hick, but also like homicidal yeah. maniac. It's rough. The whole thing is rough. That we're lucky that movie's only an hour and a half because yeah. it's a, a patience test. Okay, fine, I can go now. I don't think so. Cut the couch, Bob. Don't cut the couch. Hey, hey, hey is for a horse's fish tank. Wants to break up your shower too, huh? Do ya? No. Then shut up and sit down. What did you do together, huh? Did you make it? Look, you can have Whitman, okay? I don't want him. He's all yours, I swear. Uh, <laughs> all right, suddenly you're gonna blow him off. <laughs> Drop the palaver, princess. All women want wit, I know that. You want some gum in your hair? No, I don't. You could almost see, like, the points of a movie where they're like, okay, we need to try and add something here to make it, like, like the ending of the movie, they just fully decide to, like, blow it up and they're like, have Ellen and the guy, like, breaking the fourth wall and being like, oh, well, the sun isn't setting in the right direction, but, like, LOL movies, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, Mr. Wrong is so bad. Um, And Joan... You know, it's almost like they were they hired her to do the one thing, but then like had no idea what to do with her, really, because yeah. the tone of that movie is all over the place. And and I I almost wonder and like this is not me blaming her, but I almost wonder if she brought more to it because it feels incredibly underwritten. Right. It doesn't it doesn't feel like the gags are there. So I so I feel like she was like, Ugh, I'm going to do what I do best. I'm going to put a character on it. And that character is just that, like, nobody told her no. Right. Yeah, I agree. Good pick, Kevin. Um, My pick, I I was toggling between two, but I think I've settled. My one-star review has to go to Runaway Bride. Yeah. Um, I... It's it's infuriating in a lot of ways, but specifically to Joan, you know, I... I I read about her taking this role and she said that she wouldn't take this best friend role um, unless they gave her something to do, unless they gave her like, you know, have to actually have meaning or whatever. And she's talked about how she gets to tell Julia Roberts, you know, she's behaving badly and needs to like, you know, own up for her decisions or whatever. And I'm like, sis, I don't see it. It's not <laughs> whatever you're seeing. I'm not saying um, it's. It's it's just Joan doing the least. I think like 
of all the movies, even the movies where I'm thinking like she's not doing or the movies that suck, at least she's having fun. This movie looks like zero, zero fun. Yeah. Um, this movie, the reason why I don't like this movie wholesale is because they had to sell sell this movie on the same lie that the quote unquote runaway bride is trying to tell like it's it's fucked up and wrong you know like the fucking photoshoppery on this poster of julia roberts face on the bride with the sneakers catch me if you can the whole the gag was like oh it's this bride that keeps running away but like in the movie itself, they're saying, you know, oh, it, it was only three um, weddings. It wasn't seven. Um, it's and she's like, obviously, this like kind of fucked up character. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it's funny. And not, not to cut you off, but, you know, one of the famous things, I mean, this movie was also made to capitalize on the, yes. the chemistry between gear and, and Roberts. And and one of the things that people have a tendency to forget about pretty woman is that it was written as a drama and then they made it a comedy and this movie doesn't have those bones. So it has these dramatic turns that are very dark, but because so much of it is trying to go for the laugh. Like yeah. I'm also thinking of that scene that you brought up where Joan Cusack tells her like she needs to grow up essentially. Do you remember the impetus of that scene? Yeah. It's because Julia Roberts is like, do you think I flirt with your husband? <laughs> do you think I flirt with Corey? Yes. I don't mean to. I know. I think sometimes you just sort of spaz out with excess flirtatious energy and it just lands on anything male that moves. Anything male that moves? As opposed to anything male that doesn't? Well... Like certain kinds of coral. Definitely gonna have to kill myself. Today. Why? Because you think I'm all like, hey man, check me out. No, I don't. I think you're like, I'm charming and mysterious in a way that even I don't understand. And something about me is crying out for protection from a big man like you. But then the end of it, she's like, LOL, friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's and, kind of like, but girly, don't worry about it. Yes, you're a hot, sexy bitch and like, whatever. But like, you're my good Judy. It's and the whole uh, this movie is just like dripping in like fake. It's just so inauthentic, like Julie Roberts, who like runs the garage shop. And like, yeah. you know, it's just like so painfully obvious I, where I, this movie is going. I tweeted about this, but there's this whole subplot about how she's not a complete person because right. whenever she enters a relationship and listen, I've known people like this. I've known men like this. I know women like this who, when they enter a relationship, everything that their partner likes, they instantly like. Right. And so the thing is, is that she only orders eggs exactly like her partner does. And so when she's single at the end, there's a scene where she like, is trying a table full of different types of eggs. Stupid. It's a stupid, stupid sight gag. And then in the end, she like goes to Richard Gere and she's like, I like Eggs Benedict. I don't like any of those other preparations. And it's like, A, Eggs Benedict is not a preparation. It's an actual meal that's called yeah. poached. And yes. B, you are an adult human being. You had had those eggs before. Like, right. you knew you didn't like them. It's very much, to me, along the same lines of the, of the in and out thing where it's like... 
like he had no inkling he was gay before. Like it took a Blurry Gainer song to like. Right. I, I it, there's a, there's so many things. You know, this guy writing a column for USA Today, like yeah. what, LOL, um, writing an entire story based off of one interview from a guy in a bar and just like putting this woman on blast. Like it's 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 beyond the pale, uh, and it's. And, and and more specifically, most importantly, I think Joan is wasted. This is not yeah. a good best friend role for her. She's to me, she's snoozing through it. She's kind of like, okay, well, this is my mainstream big budget movie that I have to like be in. Um, but like every fun thing that she does, like in Working Girl, um, and 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 all those other movies where she's the best friend and steals the spotlight, it's all gone from here. She's she has more presence and radiance in fucking Sixteen Candles than in this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very so there's good. that. So there's um, that. Was there anything else that you saw that you didn't particularly like? I really don't like Welcome to Me. Yeah. Um, I I was talking to Derek earlier and I was like, the, the, I just find it very problematic that yeah. Kristen Wiig is doing a bit about a woman who's bipolar. Um, and and the bit is like, I'm kooky and weird and selfish, but also it's just because I'm not taking my meds. And I... Bipolar disorder, you know, has not affected anyone in like my family or myself, but like I do know people with bipolar right. disorder, and like it, there is certainly there are people with bipolar disorder who are kooky and weird, but to make a bit out of it and and to expect laughs because this woman is off her meds and now has access to money is deeply irresponsible and also just not fucking funny how about that i maybe would have been like this is problematic but it made me laugh but it is just so unfucking funny and again has to deal with like a media company or whatever just right. like being like lol whatever we need money and it's like there are ways to do like i i joan is like a producer on the show and you know again she's just there for the ride she really isn't doing yeah. anything um i had forgotten she was in the movie so yeah. To yeah, give you that. Yeah. I, I will say that's a film that like had it been made even three years later would have been handled so differently. Um, like but I will say one positive is and like I don't want to like give it credit where it doesn't deserve it. It did make someone I know realize that one of their relatives had bipolar and like had had them go get help for it so that's the yeah i, I was like oh well okay there you something go. good but 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 yes i i agree it's it's not tactfully handled and yeah um i'm gonna throw out there um i really didn't like raising helen i i think i spoke my piece about that though um 2009 she does this tv movie uh, with may whitman called acceptance that uh, looks like it was edited on imovie <laughs> and i have no idea why she did it if she was blackmailed into it or <laughs> it's just a really bad movie full of cliches there's a scene where she yells at her husband about how he doesn't know her she's like it's another uptight role and she yells at her husband that he doesn't know her daughter and that she cuts herself and i was like huh. what is happening um yeah the it's not great uh my sister's keeper which we mentioned in our cameron diaz episode is my one star review i don't think jones giving a terrible performance but i think that role is so manipulative that right, it, it right. drove me crazy and i brought it up in that episode i think men don't leave is a fucking weird movie um and again just like sometimes people in hollywood are like what if stories don't make sense <laughs> let's do that um 
and uh, I've seen that I, a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I would say from her like animated world, like Mars Needs Moms is like kind of like an obvious cash grab, like wanting to be something. It's like very unoriginal, very beautiful gowns. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, I think we're good on the one stars. Absolutely. Why don't we move into our five star reviews? Should we just count and say it at the same time? <laughs> yes. Okay. One, One two, two, three. three. Adam's, Adam's family, family values. values. <laughs> I mean, I. Uh, how could it not be? How could it not be? I does a day go by in which I don't say Malibu Barbie? Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> they had I, to go. Hi, <laughs> I'm a ballerina. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. Yeah, I don't there's something so amazing, so funny. And what's what's even weirder about this? I've you know, maybe I should backtrack a bit. I always say I think the first Adams Family is a better movie and I think this is a funnier movie and that's no insult to either film. I just think that structurally this film is maybe a little overstuffed because they separate the characters and it does do a good job at bringing them back together, but like there is a time period where like they they separate Wednesday and Pugsley and the the you know that where it, it doesn't function fully as like I I, I don't know. Like it it's complicated, but it, it doesn't structurally make sense as a, as a film necessarily to me. That being said, it's so fucking funny. Uh, Debbie Jelinski, as you mentioned before, she's a con woman who kills her husbands. She marries into this rich family, uh, Uncle Fester, and she, she's there to kill him and get his money. And what's, I mean, I even have a t-shirt that is Debbie's face and it says, I want you dead and I want your money. Uh, but I, I think what's great is in the first movie you have three con people trying to get their fortune but for the most part they're normal people right and what's wild about debbie is she's not normal no she is vicious and cruel and a monster and but she's just not their type of monster and it's so funny because one of the things that i love about the adams family is you you realize like how for how odd they are like how how genuinely normal they are too because they love their family and they they just want to exist the way that they exist and then you put them up against somebody like debbie jelinski and you're just like no one's fucking normal oh my god (laughs) every everything's insane i think the moment i mean her entrance into the movie is so iconic she's got that white like everyone is in black and she comes in with this little scoochy white dress the iconic bob she has never looked hotter. She's so hot in this movie. Period. The, like not not to like jump ahead in your story, but the when they go to visit her house after she's married Uncle Fester and she's in that robe with yeah. the ostrich feathers mm-hmm. just like flowing off her body. It's drag. It's drag. But you were saying, sorry, in her first scene. Well, you know, from that moment to when they she's very quickly engaged to Fester and they're shocked like that ring it was my mother's she was buried with it and then she just kind of really fucking just like rips out the 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 shovel shovel. and she has this like really crazy grin 
And it's just like, oh, she's that bitch. She is yeah. not disturbed or perturbed by the atoms and their weirdness or kookiness at all because she is on their level and then like through the roof to another level. <laughs> um, but somehow, again, she is able to be so like grounded to the earth. You know, she is on this crazy level. But then when she's like, here's my slideshow about why I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's all about the Barbies and her parents and like, you know, don't I deserve love? Yeah. And jewels <laughs> and to shop. Husband number two, the senator. He loved his state. He loved his country. What about Debbie? Sorry, Debbie. No Mercedes this year. We have to set an example. Oh, yeah? Set this! So I, I killed. So I named... So I destroyed one innocent life after another? Aren't I a human being? Don't I yearn and ache and shop? Don't I deserve love and jewelry? I have seen an interview with her where she says she can't remember, so it may in fact be Apocrypha, but the interviewer asked her, was it true that the other actors had to put cups in their mouths to keep themselves from laughing during her wow. monologue? And she's like, oh, I don't remember, but that sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah, because she is just doing the most. It's, right. But it's, but, it's, it's, but it's... But there's levels and there's layers to it. It's not the most, like... Like Mr. Wrong, where you watch her and you're just like, what are these choices she's making? Is there a character here? Or right. is this just a two-dimensional? Like, Debbie has thought put in her. Debbie, like, clearly has a backstory. Like, I, yeah, I she's like... she's smart. She's cunning. I mean, the thing, the difference between Mr. Wrong and this is, like, there is a vision for Adam's Family Values. There is a style. There, They are going for a very specific bit um, and everyone is on the same like level. My God, the and, way her and Angelica Houston interact with each other, where it's yes. like, I respect you, but Debbie, pastels. <laughs> it's so good. Like those are fucking <laughs> titans on yeah. screen. Like, I mean, going at it. The script is so tight. You know, uh, Joe Cusack has said one of the, the best things about working with Barry Sonnenfeld is he is such a visual director. So it like really lets you get in and see, you know, your surroundings, like what you have to play with the 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 playground per se that you you have to work in. And we've mentioned she has this this backstory, this history of improv. So she comes into this world this like three-dimensional world and like this is not me to going off on a rant about cg but that's one of the things i love about the two adams family movies is th there's such a physicality to them there's such yeah. a reality to them and and how could you how could you not how could you not like take advantage of just like play it and it's so even even the things that you can tell that debbie's like what the fuck one of my favorite jokes to this day, I still don't know what it means. Uh, she she turns to Morticia and she goes, these Adams men, where do you find them? And Morticia goes, it has to be damp. It has to be damp. <laughs> what the my, fuck does my, that mean? I love my, it. My, one of my favorites is when Debbie leaves the gift and it's a, 
it's a bomb but like yeah and he's like oh what is it <gasps> it's a bomb and she's like what no <laughs> her reaction is so good i mean <laughs> g- give me a kiss give me a 20 <laughs> yeah yeah this there's not a lot of movies that make people giggle and chuckle like you know this movie isn't a laugh out loud like guffaw movie it's just kind of like god that's so stupid but um, so good like i don't know i laugh out loud i may be an easy mark but like, well, i mean i'm laughing out but like it's just like that good chuckle yeah. you don't get good chucklers anymore and this i mean and my god this is just talking about joan and her performance we're not even talking about christina ricci and yeah. all the good things she's doing uh christine baranski the the amount of tip spots in this movie nathan lane as the cop yes um like it's 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 just littered with gems and jewels um yeah. No one's doing it better. No one's doing it better than Joan no. in Adam's Family Values. Absolutely. I don't even know what more to say. I mean, she's shutting it down. It's, it's one of the the best performances in any movie. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, other things that I liked. I mean, she's very good in In and Out. Yes. If, if no matter if you think the movie is problematic or not, um, she is 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 such a star in it. Um, she has such good scenes in it. Um, working girl she takes the little bits of breadcrumbs that they give her and she is so good um broadcast news same thing like her playing with holly hunter um and the boys it's just it's just she she nails it you know um what else gavin and then the aforementioned like school of rock like really can't say enough good things about her performance in that movie it's a true supporting role, but she takes every second of it. And seriously, and I know it's it's like you're going to watch it someday and be like, what the fuck? But watch <laughs> Toys and tell me that she is not like giving. Okay. She's giving. It's I wasn't expecting that, but alrighty. Yeah. Toys is one of those that like nobody's ever going to agree with me on. I get it. It's like it's a mess. It's dark. It's but I love it. I can't help it. R.I.P. Robin also- Williams. I also Ooh. will go to bat for say anything. I think, you know, she's not a lot in it, but like it it really does feel like if you are sick and tired of watching those fucking Netflix rom-coms that are bad, <laughs> just go back to say anything and it's like, ah, this is what they're supposed to be like. Uh Robin Williams story real quick, real quick. Okay. Uh on the set of Toys, he turned to her one day and goes, "Someday you're going to be married, and I want you to invite me." I won't come. But I'll huh. get you a great gift. That I got engaged and was getting married, and I'd seen him in another, we'd done something else together, um, nine months. And uh, so I invited him to the wedding. He bought, he didn't come, he bought all the china for the whole, the whole thing. For our, like a whole 12 table set. I mean, cool. Cool that he remembered that he said that. Cool that he did. You know, he didn't have to. Just that's that's the kind of guy he was. R.I.P. And I agree with him. I'm not coming to your wedding. All right. All right, Gavin. Uh, let's do our mixed reviews review. My one star review was 1996's Mr. Wrong. My one star review is 1999's Runaway Bride. And both of our five-star review was 1993's Adam's Family Values. When you got it, flaunt it. All right, let's get into our uh, fast forward. Funny enough, you know, she's... I, th- 
I don't know what she's like. I'm nervous because literally the last like three things that she did that are not um, Toy Story are mm-hmm. Netflix things. Yes. You know, there was I- Let It Snow. There was Unicorn Store. There's Klaus, um, which is I an- saw Let It Snow. Okay. I heard but- she's a tinfoil woman. Yes. And I saw it because I've, I've read the book. It's based on a book. Um, and so I saw it a while ago. I don't remember it that well, but like it was very tip spot, very like the teens are like, oh, <laughs> we know who you are. Are you yes. Debbie from Adam's family? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she did. She was doing a little bit of Homecoming, the series on uh, right. Amazon. I do um, wonder, and this is me projecting, this is not uh, any factual information, but Julia Roberts did the first season of Homecoming. Yes. I yes. wonder if she did it as like a like favor. a friendly favor for the second season, but maybe not. Maybe it has nothing to do with that. Yeah, I don't know. I think she's just so uninterested in like playing any type of games. I would also, you know, say that John Cusack hasn't been making a lot of movies, and so right. she's probably just like chilling. You know, I don't. I. It's weird. Every interview I've seen with her. You know, she's so demure, so ungoofy, so unlike a lot of the characters she plays, um, which is, I mean, I know obviously it's acting, but like <laughs> in my head, it's like, oh, Joan must be like just like a riot. Um, but, you know, she's she's like, this is a business and I don't care that much about it. Right. Um and, and and she and like like I'm not kidding when she says she wants to be home with her kids, you know she wants to be home with her kids. And now, admittedly, you know her eldest is, or I mean her youngest is 22, so right. like they're not yeah. children anymore. But like I think that was a big part of it is she's. <laughs> For lack of a better term, a normal person. She she just right. happens to be incredibly talented and good at playing, you know, playing these characters in these movies. Right. I mean, like, and like I mentioned, she was almost in Julia, um, but was like, no, you, you guys are not filming in Chicago and I'm, I'm yeah. fine. I watched um, the first episode of that, by the way, and I really hated it. So you hated it? Yeah. And I was like, I'm the audience for this, so like, <laughs> um, and she, she you know, she, I think that's the thing also though. She's also just like, you guys can come to me with your little projects, and I'm I'm hanging around, you know, I'm not gonna like be hustling, and she, not that she needs it, you know, that Toy Story money is never gonna stop flowing in. No, and they're just gonna keep pulling her in for specials, <laughs> and you know, I mean, like, it's very easy for them to be like. Go away, Tim Allen, and replace yes. him with Chris Evans. But Joan Cusack is like a one in a billion talent. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, and you know, I, <laughs> I think she's so funny. I think she's so good when she's dramatic. I, I th- she truly is just like that level of talent that can do anything. And it's so interesting because she is one of the few people that I think we've covered that is just like not in the rat race like in, yeah. it, in it like always kind of hustling for that next project there is no one like joan cusack there is no one that can do what she does on her level and you know i think she recognizes her talent and how much she's worth and she's like 
And again, I she was always talking about how hard it is to make movies. She's like, I don't care. I'm not going to like deal with it. I'm yeah. not going to like, you know. <laughs> it's it's so funny too because normally I think at this time we say like, "Hey, this is what I think this person should be doing or this is what I'd like to see them do." And honestly, no, she knows what she's doing. She, you know, but but my one thing is like maybe like less Netflix stuff. But you know what? Hey, if they make it easy for her, if they shoot yes. in Chicago, I think f- fuck my snow. drag. Yeah, yeah do let it. it snow. I'm sure they filmed somewhere in the Midwest where it's snowy and shit, and she just like popped on over. Um, what I want is like the Joan uh, Cusack School of Acting in Chicago. I want her to be like this kooky headmistress, just like teaching all these youths about like kind of weird theater and like acting and like i see that for her i see just like um or maybe i just want that movie to be made where she is the headmistress <laughs> of a kooky school for theater and art i I, uh, I did have one fleeting thought which is because she's so good at playing the two sides of the coin i would love to see her play twins in a movie and i'm sure that mm. like has passed at this point i'm sure she's like i'm almost 60 i'm not gonna be able to play twins in a movie but i'd love to see her play like the super uptight and yeah, yeah. and then the like kooky wacky you know right. yeah that is a genius idea i absolutely I'm shocked it hasn't been done i know um yeah i it's there's a part of me that's like god it's kind of a shame she never had more vehicles for herself yeah um in in movies but you know she seems so content and happy with her commitments to Hollywood and um, the the output she has had. And it's funny during one of those cons, they had one of those like reels of like highlights or whatever. And they played Jones reel. And it was like banger after banger, iconic roles that people were like hooting and hollering for. And then they played John Cusack's who has been the lead in more movies. And I was like, I don't, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. <laughs> You're like, because- Oh yeah. Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. Yeah. The one time he played Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> it's just like he plays such like straight every man yeah. that it's like there there is no iconography with them. But with hers, you can literally show, you know, one snippet of her in that back brace. And yeah. it's just like, yes, queen. Yes. Like there's so much visual um, iconography with her. That's just so, so good. And so she, she is our the our Tucci queen, you know, absolutely um, able to to take a little and give a lot. And that's a really hard thing to do. I am so glad you suggested her. I'm surprised we... I'm sure she's on like our list somewhere. We have a list from when we started the show. But I'm <laughs> so surprised that we hadn't thought of her before. But she fits so perfectly into this like truncated spot. And I'm so happy we did it. Like Nothing brought me more joy than watching some of these. Even, even some of the lesser stuff, I'll say. You know, yeah. I... I was rarely upset, but I think that brings Joan Cusack to its natural conclusion. Thank you so much, Joan. You are amazing. But if you want to contact us and not Joan, sadly, just us. <laughs> Though I guess you can stop by Joan's store and leave yes. a note for us, but we're probably not going to get it. But if you want to contact us on Twitter, you can always find us at, at The Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. If you want to email us, you can write us a little letter at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're on Instagram or at the underscore mix underscore reviews. 
And if you want to listen to our back catalog as you've listened to this entire episode, feel free to listen to us on any major podcast platform. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Audible. And if you could, because I'm really trying to get us to those 100 reviews, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Write us a little thing. We'll read it on the show. If you don't want us to read it on the show, just leave us a five-star review. But it really helps us get the show out and makes it more available to the people who may be not listening to us. That, you know, helps us find our people. Find our people. Build that audience. Come to mama. Come to mama. Oh my god, Lady Gaga. It's all it's all full circle, Gavin. It absolutely is. <laughs> and that's a that's a Joanne deep cut for everyone out there who's <laughs> like, what? Um, thank you guys for listening so much. Um, Gavin, you've been doing a little bit of traveling. I'm gonna do some traveling next too. You but are. we've but we have, you know, our next episodes booked and blessed we know what's coming up we're so excited to give that back out to all you guys so until then we'll see you guys later bye bye bye